Hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. I'm Sean. Hi, I'm Anthony of Avernus. I'm Missy. I'm Ray. And joining us again, Professor John Trafton, recently relocated to the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California. John, welcome back. Hey, hey, it's good to be back, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, I I just caught up with uh, your uh, this movie saved my life podcast. I listened to the Bear episode, and I listened to the <laughs> Miles and John doing Overnighter. <laughs> Those are my oh, favorite. <laughs> we, oh, we did, yeah. Well, we did we did another over, uh, Nighter, and I uh, made him watch Shogun Assassin. Yes, <laughs> I I. So for the listeners out there, find John's podcast this this movie saved my life fantastic podcast um but yeah okay so we're, we're gonna uh one of us has some time constraints so we're gonna just kind of go about this and I'll, I'll fix anything in editing but uh we are gathered today to talk about a new movie by danny and michael philippou now i i i just looked this up and i believe that's how it's pronounced uh they are Australian, and they talk about coming out of the gates swinging. Jesus, they uh, wrote and directed "Talk to Me," which just opened this week. Big A twenty four summer horror movie release. We've all seen it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to go non spoiler, and then at a point where you, the listener, will be clearly alerted. Like, don't go past this point if you haven't seen the movie yet. I'm recommending everybody out there if you can hear if you hear me, go see it. Going blind. Don't watch a trailer. Don't read shit. Just going blind. Um, but we're going to start with Ray. So, Ray, in a no-spoiler capacity, tell me, what did you think of Talk To Me? I thought it was, re- I thought it was really good. Um, I the, the acting is is great. The, the direction is solid. The writing is good. I mean, it just, the one thing for me was that it really grabs you by the throat in the beginning and then it lets off a little bit uh, off the gas and then it gets back on it a little bit later. Um, my one gripe would just be that it, it I, I could have had a little bit more of the of the creepy shit, but um, it was fine that there wasn't all that there. Um, the movie was solid um, and the scares are for sure great. Um but uh no i i i really liked it i thought it was a really good film and um definitely creepy um definitely uh worth the time and uh like you said it's a good solid first film like you would think that it would be something that someone has been working in uh horror and done other horror movies before this it's really impressive um john tell us what you thought of talk to me spoiler free yeah, I I enjoyed it. Uh, I I had an opportunity to see this as a midnight screening back at Sundance earlier this year. Instead, I opted to go to a midnight screening of Infinity Pool, which you know up at the end of yeah at the end of the day was uh, the right decision. Yeah, but and I'm glad glad I went in that direction. Having said that, yeah, for a day, not you know, it, it's often kind of cliche to say not bad for a debut feature. I, I'm going to say, wow, what a debut feature. You know, it's, uh, I I felt like, yeah, this the scares were very, very well handled. I thought it was uh, 
very well directed, very well shot, you know, for like what essentially was kind of like a low budget film that uh, is kind of making a splash stateside at the right time, mm -hmm. ultimately. And, you know, while in terms of films about, you know, that deal with uh, seance and totems, you know, this isn't, I, I didn't feel like it really broke that much new territory. It's still really, really refreshing to see right out the gate and definitely, you know, not a waste of time at all. Well said. Anthony. Hey. Well, first I want to apologize to Australia for the Wallabies getting spanked uh, last night against uh, the New Zealand All Blacks in the in the rugby match. Tough. Uh, it was a tough one. Uh, but this film, let's get to it. It was fantastic. I actually had a great time with this. Uh, much like John said, there's not much new ground being broken here, but my expectations were subverted at times. So I was really happy with that. Um, I will go ahead and say that the direction was pretty, pretty damn good. Um, now I have no uh, previous experience with these directors. I'm not sure what shorts or what have you that, that they've, you know, have done or, or anything, but as far as like a real humdinger right out the gate, yeah, this is a solid film, a really fun uh, adult horror film to go and enjoy, um, you know, for the summer. And I'm going to go ahead and go as far as saying this is probably my top of the year so far, even though it did come out last year, it's been floating around and just got its, you know, dis distro. Um, but yeah, this has been by far the best horror cinematic experience that I've had this year. Um, excellent acting, excellent directing. Soundtrack is a little funky. Yeah, I'm, that's the one I'm area. Privy, I'm not privy to, yeah. I'm not really privy to a lot of like what the youth are listening to in Australia as far as hip hop goes, but you know, I'm also glad that that, you know, culture got to be, um, you know, had a showcase also. Yeah. So yeah. That's really cool. It was really cool. I, I, I dug that, um, that element to it, but overall solid film, great scares, great practical effects. Yeah. That's, that was like a key selling point here. You didn't get very much CG with the exception of maybe one, one or two small bits, but just executed well overall. I really did enjoy this film. Well said. Missy? Um, I just went to see it today, a couple hours ago, um, and I had a blast. It was every, everything that I love in a movie experience that this movie gave me. And so far, um, I agree with Anthony. It's my front runner for favorite favorite movie of the year so far. It has one of the best openings I've ever seen in a ever seen in a movie. Um, it hits the ground running, and for for me, it never really let up the gas. Um, I also thought it had a really interesting new take on the possession idea, and I usually don't much care for possession films. They, I mean, they don't scare me. They just don't usually hit for me either. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought that was kind of a breath, breath of fresh air, but I thought, I mean, it starts out intense. It, it keeps going. The sound in this movie is incredible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, it, it is. It's under your skin and like everything about it was fun. It, it's everything I wanted in a horror movie. It, 
it genuinely has some creep factor. It had an had a had relatable characters in interesting take on an old story. And when it gets down to like when it wants to be mean, it has teeth. Like the it packs a punch. I yeah. really like it. I I totally agree. So it's just for me, like to to round out the spoiler free portion of it. I just again I can't stress this enough to listeners. Just go see it in a theater. It is so loud. Like I'm not talking like Transformers, Marvel, whatever loud. I'm talking like there's a so the way it open that opening is it's up there with different kind of movie, but Way of the Gun. I've always thought I've never been able to watch the whole movie. But the opening scene of Way of the Gun is one of, it's just the best opening to a movie I've ever experienced. And this is immediately in that realm where like, you just, you don't know what's happening exactly. And it's sensory overload for both you and the character. And so there's just, you don't know where you are in the story. You don't know where you are in the world. There's a moment when he walks into the house. This isn't a spoiler because, you know, whatever. It's And it's also in the first two minutes. There's somebody like cutting vegetables or fruit or something. The sound of the fucking knife was so sharp and loud. Like that, it it didn't seem like ridiculous, but it was just accented the right way. And that really told me something. And then throughout the movie, there's a lot of things that they're developing with sound for the spook factor and whatnot. And that the sound just blew me away. So it's a theater movie. I really, really implore people if you're interested to see it in the theater. But I mean, like it's no witch board. Let's be serious, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> um, I it is nothing necessarily new. Well, in a way, it is though because the apparatus is new, and there's a there is like a twenty four has not done sequels before. I'm thinking there'll be sequels to this, and I think that hand has the potential to be a Lament configuration or a Necronomicon. I mean, you could just go to fucking town with that thing. So, I don't know. I I really like the, all the performances, all the direction, everything about it. I, I, and also, I went in with low expectations. I saw the trailer once, months ago, when it first dropped. Did nothing for me. I was like, I'll probably see it, because we'll cover it, but I'm not expecting a lot. And I, I'm just, I'm pleased that I was wrong. Um, before we go out of no spoilers and in the full spoilerville, anybody got anything else to say? All right, let's get dirty. Um, (laughs) spoilers. So Ray, talk to me about spoilers. They go on the back of the car. It's for wind alignment or something like that. Is that how that works? (laughs) Pretty much. Okay. No, uh, um, <laughs> um, well, I mean, one thing that I was thinking as I'm watching the film, because um, one of the scenes I, I really liked towards the end was um, that when they're trying to figure out what's going on with the brother um, and they all get together and they're all talking about because they've all they've all used the hand like this group has all used the hand at multiple times. And uh, Riley, it's not Riley. What is his name? M. Uh, M. Uh, is oh, Mia. Name Mia. Or... Mia. They call her Mia. Mia. I'm sorry. Mia. Yeah. Mia. Close. Mia. It was up. Mia. It was just backwards. <laughs> it was just backwards. You're yes. speaking backwards, uh, right? You've Mia been playing with the says, hand again. Has, 
uh oh has anyone else been seeing stuff and they all are like look at each other like what the hell did she just say and they're like what do you mean what stuff and i realized at that point like oh it only does that to some people yeah um like we found out with that character at the at the opening of the film and i thought to myself so is the suggestion maybe that some people are conduits almost like once they're switched on they're just on and the and the dead are just going to keep messing with them and coming to them and it uh, and like every and the more they use it it just keeps amplifying that ability mm -hmm. or that gateway that they're the, the door that's open now for them um just the fact that everyone else was like no we haven't what and she's seeing stuff like right away like it just once she once that opens it's like it keeps coming at her so that's what I was. That's one one thought I had when I when I was watching, and I was like, "Oh, I think it's just certain people are like doors or conduits, whatever you want to call it. That once they're open, they're open, and the spirits are just going to keep coming for them." Did Did anybody else think? I was sure that when the, she sits down with the father, he's like, "There is something I didn't tell you." I thought for sure he was going to say, "Your mother was seeing stuff," and then it was like, you know, she, it had passed to her. No. And she didn't, you know. I kind of felt that way. I kind of thought that too. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can see that. And then, and then after a while, you kind of just get the sense that, um, and this kind of really is places this film alongside so many other great horror films the last five years, where it's like the family, the family trauma makes me a more of a pliable conductor for uh, the dark energy. Well said. Yeah. So, John, do you have thoughts about? the mechanics of how this worked or like, it, I mean, really just anything, just anything's in Spoilerville, but. Yeah. Well, first of all, just as a side note, you know, as somebody who uh, during the early two thousands had kind of a secret crush on Eowyn, uh, I was, it was kind of nice to see Miranda Otto show up in this film. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, casting's not, it was not that bad. Uh, but yeah, as far as the mechanics of it, I was, one of the things that I was pleasantly surprised that they didn't try to over explain what the rules of the universe were like in this film. Like there wasn't like, you know, sort of that one scene where, you know, there's like sort of a whole bunch of dialogue that's kind of a crutch for yeah. visual exposition. Uh, but at no point was I ever really lost about what was about how this all worked unless the film intentionally wanted me to yeah definitely uh missy thoughts on anything john or ray just said or just spinning off of that yeah um i i was thinking along the same lines as john as far as what john and what ray was saying about it choosing certain people i thought it had to do with people who had trauma were going to be more open to letting these things in but mm -hmm. something else that and and kind of what makes it so creepy um that stayed with me is through what when they are playing this because they have it laid out as a game with rules um and and the key words are i let you in Mm -hmm. and they're like oh just say it just say it like they're so casual about it 
Like they're not even thinking twice about that they might be letting something in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's totally kid. It's it, you know, there there's the idea like. I'm sure there's a movie out there somewhere where it's kids getting in the hard drugs and there's like a similar kind of scene where it's like, you kind of got to break the ice and then it just becomes a big party montage. Everybody, you know, snorting rails or whatever. And instead in this case, what you get is they're treating this thing in this completely, you know, I mean, just, I mean, yeah, like it's funny how you could see it to stir everybody that steps up to bat. It disturbs them at first. The peer pressure gets them, and with each one, it gets less, kind of less disturbing, right? But the peer pressure gets them, and then I loved the montage because it's like they're just doing it over and over and over and over again, and it's like you don't think that this is like a really like wow? Wouldn't right. you do it once and be like I'm fucking good? But no, they're like you know it just keeps like one after the other. I think it also has a, an intoxicating element. Yeah, she says it feels fucking amazing. Yeah, which is so, so weird, even right? While it's, right, that it's doing, it's making them feel amazing, but they're still aware of what it's. Well, and doing it's something taking body. over their body. You think that that would be fucking putrefying, and instead, like her mm-hmm. re- when she was like, it felt amazing, and I guess just because it's a new experience, right? Like it, it is, it's touching something that like there's probably a high involved where it's like nobody else does like we're we're a very select group like you're you know you're being initiated into the secret of the universe i mean i'm assuming right every time they did it during that minute that that one montage scene and they just like slump back with their eyes wide open and the cameras like looking directly down on them it was like something out of train spotting it just reminded me of like like shots from train spotting and i guess maybe it one little kind of gripe i had is maybe they tried to kind of draw some parallels between, you know, that kind of like form of addiction, you know, with like commentaries about people being like, you know, always on their phone all the time, which, oh yeah. Okay. You know, which is, which is true, but you know, it was just kind of a little bit, you know, like, you know, it felt a little obvious, but uh, you know, still. I Yeah, definitely. Anthony. It goes back to a previous conversation you and I had where, like, isn't that just youth, you know, constantly flirting with death, unafraid, uh, you know, with no real consequences behind their actions until you, you know, eventually bite off something more than you can chew, which eventually happens here to uh, Mia because she goes beyond the, what, 90-second threshold that they have, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the, the rules are established somewhere, which I'm I'm sure is going to be something, you know, that, that could easily be touched on in a sequel. Um, th- again, uh, you know, it's it just kind of goes back to that, to where, you know, it's just this zero fear that the youth have because you think you're going to live forever and nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. So, yeah, why not? you know, push the limits and boundaries of, uh, of the unknown, especially with this new cool, you know, found unknown that, that again, is, is the amazing little piece, like you said earlier, where it may end up becoming an, an iconic symbol in horror, much like, you know, akin to a uh, lament configuration or Necronomicon. or the uh, book of the dead. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's, it's just got those those beats in it that 
you don't really well you know what it reminds me of is just the um it takes me back to the flirting with death much like the lost boys and i don't know if oh. that makes sense here yeah but it, actually I mean, it does it does it does it just kind of it kind of takes me there and then you know eventually there's like horrific consequences to deal with and these kids they you know you, you kind of feel bad for them and but then again, I, I go back to this 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 bit here where, um, and you guys have talked about it. Missy had talked about it here that the, you know, depending on the intensity of the trauma that you've had, it kind of opens you up to to um, being latched onto more by these these demons. Stop me if I'm rambling. No, no, you're not but, rambling uh, at all. Yeah. I, I think that's very poignant. Uh, I do too. I hadn't thought about it. Ray, do you have anything to say about trauma as far as like, you know? Does that does that seem like it? It like I hadn't thought yeah. of it. It seems like it works. Like that makes sense. That's why it did with Mia, right? Thoughts? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I I would. Uh, I, I guess the only reason I didn't connect that was because of the um. We don't like, like. There's nothing that's said about that other character at the opening, having gone through something. But it would make sense that like he probably maybe he did or like we just don't know about we just it. Don't know. Um. Yeah, but he um, had scars no, and totally. all over his back. Yeah, he did. That kid in the beginning. Oh, yeah, when when his brother busts in the room because you, you don't know what's happening yet, right? So the first you're looking for visual cues, and that was the first thing I noticed. Is like, dude, mm -hmm. what the fuck? He's like sitting there, like you couldn't tell what he was doing, like cuts or scars or bruises all over his back. Um, God, man, that fucking intro, Jesus Christ. Uh, it just like I don't think I would like I know I would like the movie regardless but that intro like they would have had to have put Ben Stiller in the movie to get yeah. me to fucking hate it after that like I mean that just really really let me know like you know here's where we're going um, and then I don't know about you guys I so I know like Kirsten said she had completely forgotten about it right Cause then you switch gears and you don't know where you are and, and you're just like, am I at a funeral for this person? What? Like, I don't know. You know, you don't know what, how this new girl, Mia, you're just meeting now and this, you know, it switches very cold. She's got earphones in whatever. Um, but it was, it was really interesting that it's like, so Kirsten forgot about it, but for the rest of the movie, I kept going like, when does that tie in? When does that tie in? And so then I didn't get it when Haley was like, "Oh, we got it from wh whoever." He said they. He it's very unspecific, but I didn't figure that out. But then when they're like, "Oh well," and they mentioned Ducket, I think was his name, Ducket, mm -hmm. and then I'm like, "Oh, okay, boom, okay, here we go." I, I thought it did something very interesting. Where in a lot of horror movies, this is a trope, right? You get the 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 kids that are dealing with the current iteration of the horror. Go to the survivor, the half man, right? To get information. And usually they give them information and they might join them reluctantly, like, oh, fuck you guys, but then whatever. And he's just like, I ain't fucking with it. That was it. Like he was not fucking getting involved. I really like mm -hmm. that. I thought it was very unique, but it's not really because also I feel like um that happens in I think it follows a similar where the guy's just like, I don't want nothing to do with it. Although that scene plays out differently with him. Um, and then what was the other one? I'm trying to think there was another smile. Smile. Yeah. There was another yeah. one where the guy's just like, I don't want anything to do with you. Fuck off lady. 
So yeah, but it goes back as far as like you know the the second Final Destination film where they go back and you know talk to the survivor from the film in the the padded cell. You know, it's 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 been around for some time now. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it just I feel yeah. I guess that's that's a good point. I've never seen any of the Final Destination movies, but but th- I mean that makes sense. I guess. Um, more spoiler talk, John. Spoilers. Gosh. Uh... Yeah, apart from that opening, just like all the scenes in the hospital and the yeah, the dead kangaroo. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh. My heart hurt for that kangaroo. I really felt bad for it. I was like, you could have at (laughs) least called animal services to come out. You could have done something. And the way she again going back to youth, where it's like, "Eh, yeah, just death. You know, it's, it's it's nothing. Yeah. This might have been the first movie that I've ever seen where they the characters just leave a roadkill. Like, no calling of authorities, no mercy, no mercy kill. Normally, we yeah. get a mercy kill in a film. We, we weren't True. even given that. And it, so it reminded me so much of, if you guys have seen The Invitation. I would... And that movie starts with, you know, and it sets the tone where he's got, he fucking snaps the thing's neck or whatever he does. And so then when she didn't do that, like you said, John, I was like, oh, and then like, like Anthony, like exactly like what you said, it shows that youthful attitude where she just, because I think then she, they go back in there with Jade and she's like, oh, I saw a dying kangaroo. Well, it was almost, because I think Jade says she didn't call anybody. She's like, it was almost dead anyway. Mm -hmm. It's like, talk about really playing blase with some other creatures suffering. Um, but you know it was st- it was still in her mind because when it came back in the hospital in that vision, that was freaky. And there was like a moment in my mind where I'm like, wait a minute, has the kangaroo been pulling the strings the whole time? <laughs> it was like the ghost of the kangaroo. Um, I mean, I didn't really think that, but there was just a flash where I was like, boy, that'd be really be bizarre. Um, you know what movie it, it reminded me of was? Uh, do you remember Fallen with Denzel Washington? Oh yeah. Yeah. Never saw it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, a lot of it, especially the kangaroo, you know, it like a lot of this just reminded me of like, without getting into spoilers for Fallen, because that's just a whole thing in and of itself that if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Okay. All right. Uh, it, but yeah, just the, the idea of like the curse just going from one person to another person. It reminded me a lot of that. And in a lot of ways, it, it almost kind of made me wonder like, how much uh j horror uh the uh, uh Philippo brothers watched before making this film yeah interesting uh so these guys being from australia so they have a youtube thing called racka racka which i guess is like been very popular i mean i was just watching one of the videos on their on their uh youtube channel before we started recording i didn't see the full thing but it it, it started with a montage of stuff from that show racka racka and some of it was fucking nuts i was like holy shit so these guys they've been building experience basically like you know all the filmmakers are like you always get the thing in the interview where they're like well you know as a kid me and my friends they've just been doing that and then just amping it up more and more um but they both worked on volunteered on um jennifer kent's uh the babadook yeah i saw that yeah one was a driver for um uh, Jennifer Kent, and then uh, one of them was like an electrician, and they just said like, "We just wanted to 
to do it. We just, you know, we would find out where they were shooting movies and offer, like, just can we can we help in some way? Did anybody else get Event Horizon vibes from Riley's moment in when she sees where he is? Oh, no, but I do now. Are, are you talking? It's like, I don't want to, like, do cross spoilers for other films, but like just right before the I have so many amazing things to show you scene. Yes. Where yeah, she yeah. gets a no, glimpse. I yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I do now. Do you think A Mia's mother, was that really Mia's mother? And if it was, do you think her intentions were good? And two, do you think that what what that sequence with Riley that that is where he really was or was that an illusion created specifically to manipulate Mia um I do not think that is her mother I don't think it ever was okay I I think the spirits were just fucking with them they know because like they said earlier when they get inside you they know they know, they know things and they were saying things about other people that also seemed like they were probably true mm -hmm. when they jumped into their body. So I think it, it knew how to play her. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, the, the vision that she saw of Riley, and it could be true, it might not. I kind of, I mean, I don't think that we can take anything that Mia is seeing in her, that they're showing her as true. Okay. I mean, I, they're, they're, I mean, they're malevolent spirits and demons and they know how to, how to play with people. Um, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't get event horizon vibes, but when I, that, it made me think of nightmare on Elm street three. When oh. you see where he is. Okay. It looked, it reminded me a lot of Joey. Okay. I didn't, that's, yeah, I didn't get that, but now I totally see that. I mean, I get your event horizon reference too, but I didn't, I am, it immediately gave me a nightmare on Elm Street vibe when we saw where he was or where he might be. I, yes, okay. I could totally, totally see that. Uh, Anthony, uh, is that her mom? Yes, no, and what about that? Uh, what about Riley's little uh, vacation spot? Riley's vacation spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I do think it is the mother um, because you see all the other spirits reveal themselves, and that imagery of her never changes. And I again, sorry, this is a previous conversation where we had where I kind of appreciated that it it almost draws from like Catholicism where suicide is punished by this, you know, this in between world, a, uh, you know, a, uh, a place where you're just kind of stuck and, you know, when stuck long enough, and again, we don't know what time is like there will drive one mad. Um, so I do believe it is the mother's soul withered by, you know, time and torment in this place and is now just, just as bad and malevolent as everything else that's in there mm -hmm. and which is you know a shame and horrible to see because you know your mother being the one thing that is supposed to protect you but is willing to you know 
toy with you in this way, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's another thing too, where, because she's offering to protect, you know, the young boy who's being torn apart in hell. I do like that scene too. It kind of reminded me of like the melding of flesh from Slither and a couple other things like that. But it, I mean, clearly they're not melding. You just kind of see the hands raking across yeah. and, you know, getting pulled out in every direction, which is, you know, horrific in itself. But I, I don't think that that's a, I don't think that's a place um, simply because of the ending where you see Mia go because she just goes back to the dark and waiting. Right. And again, you know, you don't know, you don't know how much time has passed and, and it, it seems like only moments from, from when she, you know, dies and ends up in this place that, you know, before you know it, you have that, you know, little glimmer of light before she's welcomed back in by the hand somewhere else. Um, so yeah, I do think that it was the mother. I really do think it was again just tormented by by time and madness to eventually, you know, play out as one of these creatures that that you know delights in others' torment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as as far as its imper- interpretation of what like a limbo would be, I think uh, it's a it's a pretty cool pretty cool place if it was something that's well not that i want to go there no i hang yeah. out but yeah, you, know, you know i think it's i think it's a cool interpretation but uh i don't think that that's where the young boy was being held i don't think that's something that i think that's you know just a, a an apparition of what what she's being shown a manipulation uh, to be manipulated it's a manipulation exactly you know or, or altered state or altered you know perception of of, uh, of reality um, because again, you, you see, you know, he's the time is advancing. He's getting better. He's out of the hospital, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she's just kind of stuck, wondering what's going on from one moment to the next, and it's moving so fast. So I, I do think that's the mom, though. Ultimately, that's John? the answer to that question. Uh, yeah, I do think it was uh, the mom, and the fact that they kind of. Um probably made her appear a little bit more angelic and ethereal than she would have in real life was directly done to manipulate emotionally Mia, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, And as for, I guess, the limbo, uh, just really kind of Riley sanctuary. One of the things that uh, I, I liked is that they didn't try to go the route of making it, you know, like too, just outwardly spooky but to kind of keep up the uncanny factor and just make it very clinical in the way that it looked and which to me is even creepier Uh you know i mean hospitals just creep me out as is you know but just to kind of make you know limbo just this sort of like clinical space you know in that kind of way in that kind of design where it's very kind of clean and immaculate is to me just sort of like you know almost almost more frightening just because it taps into something that's familiar and just completely makes it strange yeah well said i'm definitely throwing my hat in on i think it's the mom and the reason i think it's the mom although i think there's a very good chance missy that you're right right but the reason why i want to lean towards the mom is because this movie is so dire and severe right and I just thought when I came away from it and I asked myself this question, 
I thought, well, it could very well be their manipulator because, like you said, Missy, once they're inside, they they can read you like a book, right? They know everything. So they know how to play to play you to get what they want. However, how much more fucked up and how in keeping with that tone, that dire tone, if they're saying, yeah, you know what death does, even to the people you love? It twists them into monsters. Like, that's fucked. So I really, like, when I kind of came to that conclusion, I was like, oh, man, that's dark. That it, that fits with this movie. And, and you know, I'm sorry to keep heaping salt in, you know, the fictional character of Mia's wounds. But, like, I just, I really liked that idea. Um, also, because we see that a lot where it's like the whatever the the you know malevolent forces are they do that they appear i mean you know so many movies like it follows like it can appear like anybody you know or whatever so i like that it might actually just be like no that's what death does um as for the the riley thing i mean I, so you it's a it's kind of a trick question you can't answer it really i mean you could give your opinion but it's like john said early on they give you some rules but they don't give you enough rules to get themselves into trouble so we don't know because it's explicitly stated and also it's all from the mouths of fucking 18 year olds so who knows if they even know what they're talking about right but it's stated like okay number one anything over 90 seconds they might decide not to leave right number two if you die with them in you they get you so then you're led to believe okay so riley goes over 90 and then this thing starts to try to kill him to keep him is the way I would interpret it just based on what they've already given us, right? As far as rules, quote unquote. It fails. Every time he wakes up, he tries to kill himself. Mia's mom keeps telling her, no, you have to kill him. I'll take care of him. But he does ultimately, we think, because this might not be, you, you, you know, you can't trust anything she's seeing or whatever. So after she's dead and she's walking through the hospital and you see kind of a brief time lapse of scenes where Riley's getting better. He's sitting on the bed talking to Jade and the mom. Then he's walking out. He's leaving. We don't know if that really happens. I'm assuming it did. And I'm assuming that's because it, it Mia's mother was lying to her. She's saying you have to kill him to save him. But she's really saying that because if he gets better, he might be tormented now. But if he gets better, he'll, he, he will be free, right? As opposed to dying and being and kept. So I liked the idea. I think it very well may have been a, ma a manipulation scene. However, I really liked the idea of this, whatever this is. And and like Anthony, I had not even considered when I saw it that th these are all, this isn't heaven or hell. This is like, these are suicides or whatever the case may be. This is like this, you know, limbo. Um, and which fits, right? Because then Mia kills herself. So it's that's why she's walking around in it at the end. But the idea that they're just, I mean, they're just on him, like clawing, licking, like it's not violent so much as it is like, it's like psychic, you know, spiritual, like violation. And I mean, it was just so fucking creepy. Everything they did with Riley, like I thought that kid, I mean, I thought everybody did a, a really good job, but um the actor that played riley <laughs> i thought he was fantastic and i thought what they did to him was just i 
the scene where he just starts beating his head against the fucking thing. And then the eye, I was like, oh my God, like it's been a minute. It's, I think Anthony, in a previous conversation, you drew the comparison to Evil Dead 2013, which we're both huge fans of because it's the only movie I can think of. There's a scene where I just, I, every time I've seen it eight times, every time I'm just like, oh my, oh my God, this is the next one that, that comes close. Like I will see, I'm going to go again this week. See it again, and I guarantee you it's going to have same. the same effect. It's it is just yeah, I want to too. It's hard to fucking watch, man. Uh, <laughs> Isn't it something though that 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 just just real quick on on that that you know, quote unquote hell scene. I mean, isn't that isn't that something though? Where that thing was only flashed on scene for what three seconds? That's what made me think of Event Horizon. And it's so impactful. You yeah, know? That's, that, that that but but that kind of you know imagery. That that you know got thrown into that cheese. It, it just it leaves you wanting more. It really does. And of course, it's just like you you have the questions. Well, who do they serve? Why are they doing this? What do they do with it? You know, what are what are they doing with these people that they you know would collect, et cetera, et cetera. So th- there's obviously a much grander design behind it all that I'm dying to explore in a sequel, if it's ever going that far, or if it ever does go that far. And that's all I wanted to say on that one. Well, and just well, spinning know. off that, I want to ask you guys, I want to go around again, and I'll start with John this time. There is a moment in the hospital where Riley, Mia is talking, or or like, not talking, but she's by Riley's bedside, and he changes into this one particular woman, right? And she starts talking to her. So that made me think, wait a minute, is there like actually a hierarchy here? Because before I'm just thinking it's just a lazy Susan of spirits that are like cycling through. But now I'm like, is this one somehow controlling what is happening? Did you get that vibe, John? Do you think I'm crazy? Uh, thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that, to be honest, I have to watch the film again to maybe like you know I'll, I'll start to read that a little bit more i didn't really pick up on that when i watched it but okay. i can see what you're talking about any other thoughts as far as any of the stuff we're talking about right now the you know just any of it just what i'd mentioned you know moments ago um that there's definitely a curiosity as to you know the, the all the whys it's happening, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, right, right. And, and it, I mean, yeah, it's it's just pretty fucking cool. <laughs> um, Missy, did you get the impression? Did did you catch that thing with the old woman? Um, no, I thought that they were that the ones we were seeing are just the ones that are strong enough to push through. That's what I yeah. That was originally how I took it. The scene you're talking about, like I. I I remember seeing her, but I didn't get the whole hierarchy thing. I felt like she asserted a little bit more control than any of the rest of them. That's that's why. Um, okay, but maybe not actually because in different scenes, you know, one of them asserts enough control to have Mia suck uh, what's his name's toes. Um, you know, so oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fucking weird. It was so, and it, you knew when she was watching that happen. I'm like. He is going to wake up and it's going to be her with his toes in her mouth. <laughs> I thought she was going to like try and bite his feet. His I, I did off. think that too. Yeah. So did I. <laughs> um, and Anthony, 
Well, so okay, so Anthony, what the woman was that something you picked up on? Am I crazy? Anything? Anything there? What about oh, as far as her, you know, having a yeah higher just... position among the other spirits? No, um, okay. maybe maybe more powerful in some way to be able to keep hold. But this, this again, this is you know just assuming that this is actually happening in front of her. This is just right again, you know. Well, uh, it's not happening in front of her. It's not physically altered. happening. It's happening no, in I, her I, mind. I get that. Right. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I know you get it. I'm just, I just want to clarify. I don't think it's actually happening in, you know, physically in front of her. I, it is in her mind, but it did seem like, I, and, and I that made possible that the, the entity was able to latch on longer and because it's stronger to some degree in that because Riley is a youth and, you know, a much younger than everyone else that, mm -hmm. that, you know, his spirit is in some way, I don't know, weaker to where he's, it's able to, you know, latch on. For a little bit longer, because they do say, you know, if you're old enough and good health and you yeah. get rid of them, you know, they, they, they tend to leave your body as you, you know, as time goes on. They, they're, they're not strong enough to hang on to you. But in a weakened state, not an alert state, which, you know, which is why it probably made Riley beat the shit out of himself. And again, you know, that scene harkens to how can we do uh, that face bashing scene in hereditary and go way over the fucking top and you know beat that i love that that little nod if it's a nod at all but uh, i do think that uh because you know he's in a weakened state younger than them i think that spirit was able to grab on and, and keep on much longer than normally but you know that's that's it um i have a question to post the group the end of the film when everything goes dark and you see that little you know dim light begin uh, to kind of widen and get a li little bit larger i got duped in thinking for just a just a moment it that it was hope and it was like maybe this is the light at the end of the tunnel this is her getting to maybe go to heaven or something like that and then it clicked wait a minute much like Evil Dead 2013, where things get worse as the moments go on, and then I realize, oh wait, it's the flicker of the candle in the next, in the next, uh, you know, whoever's got the uh, the, the hand next, mm -hmm. and you know that 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 fate's much more grim than anything else. But did anybody else think that that light or the significance of that light was going to be anything other than what it ended up being? Like, were your, were your thoughts toward it, you know, uh, any different at all? John, you want to take the lead on this? I, I, I didn't, to be honest with you. I, I mm. thought, no, no, this is this is bleak as fuck. And yeah, uh, yeah this, like, <laughs> this cycle is starting all over again. Absolutely. Missy? Missy? Uh, no, as, as soon as we see that she was the one who got hit by the who got hit on the freeway um i i i knew where it was going like i figured she was now tied to the hand i didn't know i didn't see that but uh, uh like i didn't anticipate that however the minute that light struck i i just i just fucking knew what it was but i also i feel like and it would have been easy to miss i feel like 
there might have been the sound of the match striking. I was so tuned into the sound design and this. I think movie. there was. I was so I think, tuned. I into think it. we hear the match because there's so many. And Anthony, you brought this up. There's the like the drowned person, like because there was the one yeah. scene where there's the sound of water, and I was like, "What?" I yeah. not, I wasn't getting. It. it was because it was she was drowned. She was bloated or whatever. Like that was creepy. Mm-hmm. Just. Oh man, so much of yeah, the sound. Yeah, you hear the you hear the squelching and and gurgling in her talk, and just it just very, oh, very visceral as far as the auditory uh, effects go in that in that. And and I'm really like sensitive to that stuff. Like I can't do ASMR or anything like that because any of those little squelching noises or saliva sounds just you know, get under my skin immediately and drive my anxiety through the wall. But yeah, I, I remember hearing that. And it's just like, ugh, it's, there's just something nasty about it, even though you can't see it. It's yeah. Gross. Um, so you won't be watching this with headphones on when it comes out on, on home video. <laughs> I will be. I 100% will be, no doubt about it. <laughs> I, would, I would like to. I'm really looking forward to a second viewing uh, yeah. of this film. I, I've got this, this coming week booked up pretty solid i got i got ninja turtles i got meg two and i got something else something else genre but yeah it's uh it should be pretty fun week but it's going into the coming week i definitely want to be able to sit down and, and watch this one again this is a this is a lot of fun like i said probably probably number one of the year so far for me it, it's so i do think john you made like i Infinity Pool is Infinity is a pool is Infinity Pool is a movie for the last two weeks I've been dying to watch again and I just need to buy it because I know it's on Hulu but my Hulu now for you know whatever reason like I, it now has ads so I usually don't even like watch movies on on Hulu I used it for the Bear which that was bad enough with ads but I I don't want to watch Infinity Pool with ads so I need to just order the Blu-ray but I think about that movie every day like I still absolutely. That's still like my number one, but this probably just because again, I, the trailer did nothing for me. I just figured it's Witchboard of the Hand. I'm not a Witchboard fan, you know. I just and there's a certain amount like A24 always delivers, but there is a certain amount of the like a lot. Like I saw somebody not this screening, some other screening I had where it was like he was wearing an A twenty four t shirt. Like it was it was as a band. Now there's nothing wrong with that, but like there's almost this thing where it's, it's like if A twenty four does it, it's fucking awesome. And like yeah. it usually is, but at the same time, like the brand recognition is starting to make me kind of like a little hesitant sometimes. So and like bodies, bodies, bodies. I thought I would hate. I didn't hate it. I hate the people in it. Like, and as another example of like Anthony, you brought up, I don't like any of the music in this movie and talk to me. However, I don't. I look. This is youth culture, so I mean, I'm I'm pretty up on music, and I just don't like this kind of music. But like, I would never say I don't like the movie because like it should be this music because this is this culture. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm an observer. So while I'm not going to go buy the fucking soundtrack or look it up, the playlist up on Spotify, like, and I I don't like it, but it also, I thought in both the opening and the montage, you couldn't have, like, it needed the music it had. So I'm totally fine with it. And like, you know. No, it didn't hurt it. 
I don't it think didn't it hurt, hurt it at all. But you know, yeah. at first I was a little weary, and it reminded me of Bodies, 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 where I was like, I'm gonna hate this movie because I fucking hate them. I hate everything about their culture. And then I actually really liked that movie because I was like, oh, it's like they took the you know, let me tell you why I've summoned you to my uh mansion on this dark and stormy night trope. And I filled it with these people. And I thought it was fucking awesome because of that. Because, like, what a fucking idea. It's like when you hear the Cohen brothers say, well, we thought, like, we knew this guy that is the dude's based on. And we thought, what would it be like if he was the star of a, Shan- a Raymond Chandler novel? Like, I love that kind of cross-pollinating ideas. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, told- it just worked. But expectations low. And uh, just, you know, maybe that's why. You know, I don't know. It, it's so weird because I almost went to go see this at uh, the Frida Theater in Santa yeah. Ana because they were going to be doing, uh, and then they were going to be doing this whole thing where it's like come dressed as an A twenty four horror film character, <laughs> and I just, I was just expecting there was going to be like a whole bunch of Black Phillips, a whole bunch of uh, you know Florence Pugh and Midsummer, yeah. uh, and but just say mods. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then I just like, and at the end of the day, I didn't, I ended up meeting a buddy of mine at the Grove and uh, oh. seeing at the AMC there, you know, which, you know, isn't, isn't a bad decision, you know, so, but I'm, I'm kind of glad that, you know, I didn't kind of end up going because yeah, I'm not, I'm not going, I, I'm fucking dressing up, like, you know, going to see like talk to me and then like, I, I and just sort of seeing like, kind of like, the level it's like it's interesting that a24 horror is a genre now in and of itself but i'm kind of annoyed at the level that people are taking it to that's exactly it that's a, you just said it so much more eloquently than i ever could it's the level that they take it to that's why i hate reggae music it just is yeah i'm, I'm also i'm also not a reggae fan <laughs> <laughs> let me ask another question here so mia is summoned to the hand at the end as a spirit trapped in wherever, right? Starting with Anthony, is that the same hand? Or, as you said in a previous conversation, because it is it is a throwaway, it's almost a throwaway line where Haley says, I think it's Haley says, yeah, so there's another hand or something like that. And I just took that to mean somebody cut this, t- and we don't even know, like, like Ray said, we don't even know that this is actually like the severed hand of a psychic or whatever. Who knows? Um, but do you think it's the same hand and like she's just now not she's outside the circle of time and space. So it's made its way to Spain or Mexico or wherever it is, because I think they're all speaking Spanish. Um, is it the same hand or is maybe the other hand been chopped off and I've- had the same treatment? I've been racking my brain with this and really that's another reason why I want to do the second viewing to see what angle the hand was being gripped from to see whether or not it was the second hand. I, I'm actually dying to hear any confirmation on that. Um, but I mean, it's, it's the, it's the, what's your pleasure, sir? You yeah. Know, I'll tell you 100%. You know, the thing could, the thing could end up anywhere at, you know, at any time, any given point all over the world. And, and, you know, and then, that also goes back to the fact that there was more than one Lamenka configuration. So yeah. it's, it, it very well could be, but I would like, I would like, you know, the notion that that's the second hand. And I still like the, I still like the quasi mythos behind it too, that it's the, 
you know, the severed hand of a medium that's been, you know, mummified and, you know, encased and, you know, whatever. But it's that's just really cool, cool mythos to add to it. And it's such a small little, you know, drop of it. I really wish, to, again, this is all more stuff that I want to see expanded on. I, yeah. I want more of this world. I want more of this. So we'll see. Um, it, it is interesting that, so I originally, when I remember seeing the trailer, the thing I think that where I was like interest not interested or or like yeah, whatever, I thought it was going to be a hand of glory. A hand of glory is the severed hand of a murderer who's been hung, and they cut the hand off while he's hanging. So he's still hanging, and then they do whatever they do to it, and then you put candles in each of the fingernails and light it, and it's uh, like a divina uh, divination tool. So when I saw that it wasn't that originally, I was like, oh because I, I, it's just something you don't see in movies right it's like i've seen it in other things it's like you know if you read about the occult it's supposedly a real thing i don't know i've, I've never met anybody with one um anyway but yeah uh so it's uh, a... somebody's birthday is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <Yes. laughs> um missy do, do you have a thought as far as is it the same hand is it a different hand is it a different person's um, hand that hadn't occurred to me until you brought it up shortly before we started recording that it could be the other hand. I had forgotten about that line until you brought it up. Um, but now that we're thinking about it, I I like the idea that it could be. Yeah. But I mean, but I don't know. I I will also be trying when I rewatch it, trying to you know, trying to discern if it is the same or a different hand. John. Yeah, this is where I think, you know, sequels are, are, are really going to be, or like a playing with the trilogy, I think is really going to come into play here. And, you know, pardon the pun here, but uh, I think, you know, they should definitely pass this curse on to another filmmaker. I could see that, definitely. So, John, do you, do you get a sense, like, if they make a sequel, I think it will be the first time A24 has done that. Now, yeah, probably. I mean, I feel like even think, though it yeah. seems like it's not in there, like we're a twenty-four, and this is kind of how we do things, and that's what makes us a twenty-four. But I yeah, mean, they, I feel they, like... they don't. They don't. They don't need to become dimension. You right. Know? Yes. Well said. Well the said. Early two thousands all over again. <laughs> they start buying scripts and just just buy that script and then put a hand in one scene, and we're good. It's talk yeah. to me part four. It's good. It's in the background. Um, but I mean, I, I feel like. It it could also be it could be a turning point for A twenty four because this is it seems like this is doing well, so it seems like there's a chance that they would embrace this and do a sequel, and if that's the case, they could if that succeeds they could start looking for that and it could change the brand which you know the brands change whatever it would be interesting it might take some of those people down a peg that are like you know running around like A twenty four die, I don't know. Sequels are a slippery slope, right? I mean, it, a lot of times I don't want them. You know, I just, I'm like, no, I'm good. Don't, don't do anymore. I've never been able to bring myself to watch S. Darko. I just can't, I can't do it. I don't, I don't need, I just don't need that, right? So there's so many cases of that. But here it's like, it's the opposite. It's like, oh, dude, I feel like we're just getting started. Yeah, I have the feeling that A24 would definitely, you know, 
gatekeep enough to where it's they're not going to allow for any foolishness as far as anything like that goes, especially if they want to franchise it. So I, I have to kind of keep hope that they'll keep to their high quality standards, you know, before putting something else out there in the world like that. But, you know, I, I haven't looked at any numbers yet either. I really don't know how well this movie is doing. So, I mean, ultimately we'll have to wait and see, you know, come yeah. Monday when we get to the box office numbers and to see how, how, you know, well it did over the weekend um, to even see if it's going to stay out in theaters for another week. So you know. it, it is, it wants well, it. It's definitely in my day and there's more shows too. So it, I noticed when it, I look for this week, there's uh, it went from like three shows a night to like five or six. So I would that was impressive. Killer. And again, good. Clarksville, right? Like, so that's a that's a good sign. Um, guys, any anything else before we wrap up? Okay. Uh, well, one thing was, I mean, I went to go see with our friend Jesus, and we afterward. Uh, one thing that hit me was. The hand. I was very curious about the origin of the hand, and I like that it kind of is left open uh, as to where it actually comes from. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I was I was very curious about was whether it actually is some dead person's hand or or someone's hand underneath porcelain, like the one character states, or if it's like a totem. And that it's just something that's been crafted, and um, because it has the, the, those markings on it, and I don't mm-hmm. know if the markings are like a like a like a binding spell or something right. like that that then summons these dead. I, I was, I thought that was really interesting. Um, the fact that it's left so open was very cool, but I I I feel like if you if they wanted to make more films, um they could possibly go deep, deep dive into that mythology because um, the one thing that made me think it maybe is kind of the second thing to my, to me, like the thing that might maybe is kind of like a totem mm-hmm. was that it, the way the, the, the ending without giving away, like what happens at the end, like that ending, like what we see happen, I thought, wow. So it's spreading and it's not maybe just contained to this one hand it's it's something that's getting out there and it's for whatever reason it's getting around um good yeah good very good point i have a question yeah because we were we were talking about how they were so casual about it and you know just like the folly of youth but we're like i figured we could ask everybody like were you the kind of kid that would join in or not like were you the kind of kid that would do bloody mary or you know try to call candy man or any of that kind of shit because i, I, I never that. never ever was <laughs> john you did oh dude i i, I totally <laughs> yeah, tried to convince people that candy man was real uh I, I grew up down here in southern california so we had like you know the legend of blanca senorita you know that we like you know tried to convince you know, all of our buddies at camp. So yeah, to answer Missy's question, hell yes. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Anthony? Mm, I'm sure it's something I would have partook in, but didn't believe in. I've been a staunch atheist since I was a child. <laughs> so it's one of those things where 
it'd be uh, I'd be hard pressed to uh, be convinced. But you know, that's not to say that I haven't seen some weird shit, you know, in my days. So who knows? But uh, yeah, I definitely would have at least joined in for the fun. You know what I mean? Like go go with the flow and be liked. <laughs> do okay. do what you got to do to fit in. <laughs> I would have one hundred percent touched the hand. And what what was the what was the first thing? Oh, talk to me. I would have done that, right? I would have been very wary. Okay. I would have done that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have fucking. There's no way I would have ever said the words I thought you were in in that situation. Right. Not a fucking chance. And anybody that, <laughs> and in fact, if I was sitting in the room and somebody, the first person did it, I'd get up and walk out. I, I, yeah. I just, I've always like, even though I've dabbled in the occult, um, you know. I believe tarot works not because it's magic for you know Jungian reasons or whatever, but um, I don't know, man. I've seen shit, and uh, I'll just I just never forget. And I thought of this after the movie. There was like a, a like a party I was at, and like I guess it was high school, right after high school. And my buddy Jake, like this, somebody brought in a Ouija board, and Jake and I were the same. We we would go to haunted cemeteries in the middle of the night, high as fuck, and like just try and open ourselves up to you know whatever. Guy walks in with a Ouija board and right away. Jake's like, "Get that the fuck out of here!" Oh, blah, 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 blah. Eventually, just he just stood up very quickly, walked over, took it, fucking snapped it over his knee, handed it back to him. He's like, "Get the fuck out!" That is the way. Like I just would like you walk in with that hand. I would have been like, either that gets the fuck out of this room, or I'm getting the fuck out of this room because, like, I don't know. Who? Uh, it's just why. Man, why open yourself up to that? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know. <sighs> right. That's how I always felt. Like, I mean, just with all all the stuff we do know and all the horror movies that we have watched, it's always like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not messing with something that, like, I'm not letting anything in. Once, once you see the weird shit, it sees you too. It goes both ways. Shine a flashlight in the dark. All of a sudden, everything in the dark can see you. <laughs> I always think of that Phil Hines right. quote. Very true. Um, anything else? Anybody else? Questions, comments, threats, observations? All no, right. It's just that I really enjoyed the movie, and I hope people go watch it. I, yeah. If, if it's got more times out there, take advantage of it while it's still in the theaters. It is a solid horror horror film. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're tired of the run of the mill PG thirteens that are kind of overflowing at theaters, this is one that's you know. A little uh a little more harder edged and uh i think uh folks will really enjoy themselves if they go give it a shot so definitely go uh go take advantage of it while it's in theaters if we want these kind of movies to be around these are the ones you've got to go see in the theater i mean mm-hmm. Bar- barbie and those kind of movies they're like they're not going anywhere but these movies are in for a week or two before the big shit pushes them out and if we want something original, we have to go see him in the theater. Yeah. And well, well said by all. Uh, okay, so that is Talk to Me. So we'll be back soon. Until then, for the Horror Vision Horror Podcast, I'm Sean. I am Arthritic Anthony. I am John Trafton. I'm Missy. And... Yeah, just stay away from me.
epidemic of violence floods the streets of major cities as cases of the media dubbed murder virus, MV20 soar, causing those infected to go on killing sprees. Caught in the middle, police detective Angela Miller finds her only trustworthy ally in the self-proclaimed psychic PI, Gerald Henry. As the two try to navigate the violence, they are drawn into new age guru, Abramelin Harvest's plot to heal the planet. Harvest's missive? The world is sick, and humanity is the infection. The cure? Murder. From the twisted mind of Sean C. Baker, author of A Collection of Desires, and Shadowplay in Book One, Kim and Jesse, comes his most vicious novel yet, Murder Virus. Available where books are sold. Riley, Jojo there you go. You, yeah, you're familiar with his work, actually. I believe you actually are in the Jojo Shabadoo fan club, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Local chapter leader. <laughs>